Hi, this is Wendy Whalen. Thank you for joining us on New Combinations. I'm just going to let our audience know I'm sitting here with the amazing Kyle Abraham, who has just made his third piece for the New York City Ballet, which we're super excited about. <laughs> so, um, and I know you, you, we had another talk earlier and you were a little shy about sharing things. You like to kind of keep, you like to hold it close. Um, I do, I know, it's terrible. <laughs> oh, but it's, you know, art is a special thing. And I feel like this project for our dancers in particular, um, and maybe for you as well, was extra special because of the residency that you guys held together for three weeks up at Kotzbahn. I know you've done a million residencies, but our dancers don't do them all the time. And I think spending time in that capacity with an artist like yourself and with artists that they work with daily in New York City kind of makes for a sort of a sacred experience. What do you think about that? I mean, it was really special. I mean, I talked to John about it a little bit. He's like, yeah, we have to do more of these. I'm like, yeah, y'all do. <laughs> I think, you know, it's so many things. You know, your audience may not know that like when a choreographer comes over to City Ballet and maybe they're told, let's even say they have six weeks, which is a lot. I don't think I had six weeks in the past. Let's say three weeks. <laughs> so let's say choreographer as, as, as three weeks. I don't think that people are aware that even if you're given four to six hours a day, it doesn't mean you have your cast for four to six hours that day. You probably have like a principal dancer for an hour, maybe an hour and a half. So having a residency with a full cast meant that like, we could really structure things however we wanted throughout the day. And every, we could just have that energy around us. It's really, really exciting um, and really fun. We made more than we were supposed to. Maybe your audience will see some of the other things we made another, like a year later, two years later, who knows, but we made a lot of work. Um, and they were really just, really just wonderful, gracious people to work with. You were with eight dancers and one rep director. So yeah. 10 people and a group up there. And how do you plan? And, and how did you go about deciding the parts for this new piece? The music, the dancers, the idea you wanted to have. How did, how did these kind of come about for you? It's such a maybe a wide variety of ways to get there. Conversations with yourself and with John and with Rebecca Crone about casting, trying to build a shortlist or work on a shortlist with the three of you as well. Getting your opinions on dancers that maybe I'd never met before. KJ Takahashi, I'd never seen before. And you know, hearing from all three of you, you're like, you need to check him out. That was really exciting um, to kind of like, you know, have that discovery of a, of a new artist. So yeah, that, that's part of it. And then thinking about, okay, I have certain ideas in mind, probably if I'm keeping it really, really honest, even the first couple of days at Cotspawn, I wasn't really sure which project I was gonna do because I had two different ideas. And so I needed to also think about a cast that could do either of those ideas. I think also spending a lot of time just setting the music that I was interested in and, and kind of playing these different selections back to back and thinking about how sonically they sounded. When do I need space between them? When don't I? That's a large part of the process. And then, you know, AIM, my dancers had a residency before City Ballet came. And so I was lucky enough to have two or three of my part-time dancers in the studio on a day when the full-time dancers were doing something else. I was able to work with them on some material that um, then my my assistant from AIM, uh, Donovan Reed, that, that came and uh, helped with City Ballet, Donovan was able to learn those phrases and have them ready to, 
teach them to the dancers. And, and having Donovan was also just a really great resource and great help because he is just so quick and so detailed and so clear and has his own approach to the movement that's, um, I think, really accessible for the dancers to connect with. Did you feel there were a lot of limitations put on you in this time of COVID, n numbers of dancers, uh, yeah. length, of, length of piece? I know certain artists love limitations and how did you, <laughs> how did you use those limitations to, <laughs> for the benefit of your piece? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I do. It's weird because it's like, it's not about rules, but it's nice to just kind of know what the structure is, know what the, the kind of confines are that I'm working in. Because if it's too limitless, someone like me who does not like to make decisions, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge for anyone around me. <laughs> but I think, um, I think as we were working, this other work that we were working on while we were up there, that one I realized I need more dancers for. So I, that was another reason why I stopped working on this other work. I mean, we got a lot done, but I was like, oh yeah, I feel like this section needs more than, you know, the number of dancers we had at that moment. But yeah, the limitations were, you know, helpful in some ways, like thinking about time. I said to, to, to Ryan, you know, I was like, I feel like I want to add another section. And he's like, no, I don't think you need it. And then he also says, we also don't have time. <laughs> you know? oh, Ryan is your filmmaker, right? Yeah, yeah, we worked together. Ryan Marie Helfen. Is this the first time that you had worked with him? And how did you go about creating this piece knowing that it was first going to be filmed, but secondly, going to end up on stage? How did you line those ideas up so that they would work together? Yeah. With a collaborator like Ryan. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, I had to first start by just making a dance for stage because at the very least, you just film that and we're good. <laughs> um, but then it was really thinking about how can whatever I want to make translate to um, film in some way. Ryan had a lot of really great ideas as well. I think we both approached the work and the process from the initial meeting with um, kindness and with openness and with passion. I'm wondering how you guys decided on this aesthetic. To me, it's very beautiful. It's different, very different than what we often do at New York City Ballet, which is great. And there's something extremely classy about it. But you're not uh, classy. <laughs> I know, you're, you are classy, Kyle. But how did you guys kind of settle on the elements that you chose and do you, if you want to, open up and talk about the elements. I would love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I appreciate you saying that. I think what's funny is for me, especially watching it, I feel like it's like super city ballet. I think, you know, I, I was very much inspired by um, Balanchine's work and by Cunningham on the, on the flip side of things, but really just honoring the beauty and simplicity that can exist in a uh, city ballet repertory and the, you know, a dancer like like uh, Claire Crushmore, you know, I just, I, I told her after we finished how much I love her port bra like it's just like, it's heartbreakingly beautiful. And it's heartbreakingly beautiful because it's so simple, but there's artistry in its simplicity. And I think that is at the heart of like, really to me, what that bouncing port bra is about. There's storytelling in its simplicity. And so I really wanted to honor that in some way. And, you know, luckily, 
you know, for me, Rebecca Crone was such a, she was such a great support and advocate throughout the process. She loved what I was hoping to do. And a lot of it was kind of trying to honor the simplicity um, and beauty of ballet technique and Balanchine's effect and presence in ballet, but infused with uh, what it is I do and what my movement vocabulary is, but in a way that's, I don't want to say simplifying in the way that is like dumbing or, or numbing, but more getting to the essence of what uh, some of my movement vocabulary or idiosyncrasies might be in a way that hopefully complements that of the Balanchine in some way. I picked up on that. I, I remember I texted you and I was like, I yeah. can see Agon in this. And you were yeah, like, yeah. you're kidding me. Cause I actually was thinking it. And you were like, not too heavy a hand, right? And I was like, yeah, not too heavy a hand, a very subtle overlap in that. And uh, yeah, I love how Rebecca Crone, your repertory director was kind of like your midwife and helping you yeah. get your idea out there. I love her. She cracks me up. She's like, I might be biased because I like the simplicity. She's like, those are my favorite balancing ballets. You know, she's like, I like the tights, leotards, I like those ballets. Yeah, there's something so profound in, in just just the essential nature of, of a, the simplest movement and, and how you present it and how you've asked the dancers to perform it. And that leads me to the music because I think the music also pulls that out of the dancers as well. You chose three composers. How did you triple up these three very diverse composers? I was heavily influenced by the seasons this is my first winter in New York in at least five years, maybe more. So I know that that definitely had an impact on what we were making and how we were making it, the visuals, a lot of different elements. And there's something that for me, these songs uh, or these selections, they really kind of key into aspects of winter in very different ways. I see a lot of snowfall throughout. It's like the slowness, the flurry, going back to the dissipating, you know, slow or the, the way in which you can kind of be really kind of internal in those times um, or playful was something that I think I was drawn to. The selection, I think part of it was just thinking really sonically, like what sounds good next to something else that is from a different world, but can be complementary. And I was also interested in maybe different approaches to piano. I think there's still another section somewhere in there, but I don't know what that is. Or, I mean, maybe in a dream, like some of these composers could get together and make a new section together, what? <laughs> One of the composers is, is from a, a very whole different generation than the other two. And they, to me, they really beautifully line up. How will it evolve once it's on the stage? How do you see it on the stage as opposed to how we're gonna see it in the film, which is very unique? One of the beauties is knowing, you know, I feel super supported by, by you and John both. Um, and Kathy, I feel like you all are really supportive of what I might want to do as an artist. And knowing that like, yeah, the stage version needs to be different from the screen version. So, you know, I think, having the opportunity to create totally different lighting design is going to shift things, actually build costumes. It's interesting because I thought everybody looked really beautiful. So now I'm like, oh, well, do we do that or do we dress it up? It, it is different from what I think I was intending initially for the 
stage. So I think I'll be curious to, to think about what that transfer is, even just from like a purely production standpoint. But yeah, I think even some of the roles may shift a bit. It's nice to make try and make sense even in abstraction about like who's connecting with whom. Um, there's there's some little subtle fun moments that I, I, I like to think are in the in the work, like you know Jonathan Fahori, who's you know one of my muses. <laughs> um, it's it's great to like think about certain things I was playing with with him with just like hands and the people that I pair him up with. Think about creating something there is kind of fun. I know a certain group that you chose you had worked with before and yeah. a certain group you chose you had never worked with before and how important was it to have that sort of umbilical cord uh, into your connection with the dancers that you have strong connections with like Jonathan Fahori, Taylor mm -hmm. Stanley, Sebastian Villarreal, Sebastian Villarreal, yeah, Chris Grant, Chris Grant. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, those were the four guys you've worked with before on The Runaway. And then the ladies were all new that you had never worked with and KJ, correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. And how did those gentlemen help you get your movement across? Yeah, I think it, it, it was great to have those kind of two different groups, two different camps. I mean, me working with Taylor is, you know, it's great for me for a host of reasons. He's like my security blanket. Like I know that I'll, I mean, it's also tricky working with Taylor because anything he does is going to look good. So it's one of those things where you have to be like, was the step okay? Or was it just that he's amazing? But uh, yeah, it was great. I think the other thing in like bringing in Chris is Chris Grant didn't get to premiere The Runaway with us because he was injured, but I loved making with him. And there are things about Chris that you don't get to see necessarily in the, the classic rep. He's just so like insanely amazing at moving slow. And he just, yeah, the things he can do with his limbs when you let him, it's kind of like, it's really, it's really exciting and kind of captivating and hypnotizing. It was, it was exciting to have some of that um, known energy, but then also getting to know these other dancers. I mean, Claire actually was a dancer who was in the room while we were making The Runaway, but I didn't get, she wasn't able to, to be on stage because we didn't put like a second cast on, we just had one cast. But I just loved her energy. I just thought she was just like, I was like, I just, I just love her. I don't, I don't know much about her, but something about her I just adore. So it was really great to play with her. I mean, so many of the dancers were like muses of sorts. Um, Claire, you'll see she's featured heavily in this work. In the new project I was making, I made a new duet with her that I really loved. She's just, she's fun. She's game. She's super musical. You know, I think that's something else about the city ballet dancers that like people don't know they all have these hidden talents you know it's like on her lunch break she was practicing piano <laughs> you know or kj would go walk over to the piano while we're in the middle of a run and start playing along you know i'm like okay do it y'all so i think yeah it's great to learn people while i'm working it was my first time working with lauren lovett i i really had I'd always wanted to work with her there was a video that um you know city ballet does such a great job at promotional um, videos and footage and whatnot. And I remember seeing a video where she did a turn that looked like what I call a figure eight turn. I was like, I need her in my piece. <laughs> and ever since I wanted to work with her. And yeah, I mean, she, she's kind of, I had to, I have to laugh sometimes when she's in the room because it's so effortless that it, you just have to laugh because I mean, there's, there was one moment in the film 
when we were when we were shooting where she had her leg up in a, like a certain angle and we were trying to figure out the framing and we we're like oh I don't know if that fits it looks a little weird she's like well I mean I could just get my leg higher <laughs> she like takes her leg to her ear <laughs> no plans just like like and I just busted out laughing because it's like of course you can yeah <laughs> It's been amazing to watch all the dancers during COVID, you know, on Instagram because we're, they're all over the world and mm -hmm. different places and creating different aspects of themselves that aren't, you know, what we're used to seeing all the time. So everybody's got these new talents that are solidifying and developing and creativity is just popping from all the dancers. I know COVID has been tough on everybody, but I do think that there's something about it that has added to our creativity and our maybe expression, or I don't know, our, our way of approaching our art form. What do you think has opened up in you or changed in you from this time? I'll just say this, because I think it's important, is at the very beginning of this pandemic, I didn't want to do anything. And I, did, I felt very helpless too helpless, hopeless, all of the above. Um, and it took a while. It took maybe part of it was knowing that in my dream of dreams, this commission that initially was supposed to be on stage, a wholly, totally different dance was going to happen. I was like, the one thing I know I can do is I can get in the studio in LA. I have a special hookup. Not everybody has those. But I was like, I had a special hookup. I can get in the studio and just build material. And that was really helpful for my spirit. I actually think the impetus was getting the call to make a work, you know, for City Ballet and Lincoln Center, the collaborate, collaborative work that got me to get out of the house and do something and get back in my body. I was having some health issues at the time. So I wasn't even doing my yoga like I usually do. But I was like, I have to, I really want to do this. So let me see what I can do. And it really woke me up. But I think to answer the question, <laughs> I think the one of the biggest things that I'm working on uh, in a way that I had never fully allowed myself to address is my personal wants and needs. And I think it seems maybe like an easy thing for people, but it's never been for me. I think I tend to do things based on what I think other people might want or need, even, even with a company structure or any job. like what do they want from me or what can I, what should I do to help them and or, okay, I may need to turn down this opportunity so that other people can do. But now I'm in a place where like, I need to, yes, make sure everyone is okay, but I also need to make sure I take the time to be aware of my feelings and my future. Amazing. So the piece that you were talking about was, uh, it's called Senon que nous portons. Is that correct? Yeah, more or less. Ah! <laughs> work, work that French with me. <laughs> um, I'm just going to say it in English. These names that we carry. and The names that we carry, yeah. The yeah. names that we carry. And it was to Music by Satie. And you made it for the Lincoln Center for Pride Month. And we had asked you to do, if we could, if we could do the solo from The Runaway. And you were like, no, I want to make a new piece. And... Yeah. Uh, tell me how it came about. I mean, it, it was that, like, that was the initial call, but I was like, well, I, I don't really know how it speaks to pride per se, maybe in like a different kind of way. Um, but I just was like, let's just make something new if we can. And so it was really, you know, it's like then reaching out to Taylor to see if he was available to do something new. 
Um, he is so quick. <laughs> you were uh, in LA, right? And yeah, I was, in in, I was in LA. He was in New York. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a, I, I only laugh because there are certain dancers I laugh because it's just ridiculous what they can do. Like, you, all you can do is laugh. After clapping, like even before you clap sometimes, I just laugh, you know, like watching dancers do like crazy amount of turns kind of gets me. But in the same way, someone like Taylor Stanley, his virtuosity is his artistry. Yes, he can do all the things, his leg can go wherever, his back can go wherever, but the quality that that man possesses as an artist is literally unmatchable. <laughs> There's no one in the world like him. True. So with that said, um, I sent Taylor a video. He learned it that afternoon, <laughs> sent, it, sent it back to me and I would send him notes uh, with time codes on, the, on his video. And I think that again was actually a huge wake up for me in terms of how I could work in COVID. Like making that work with him, I went back to the studio maybe like the next day and filmed material for what would be a new 30 minute work for my company, a film work and a stage work for AIM. Um, I wouldn't have done that otherwise. I wouldn't have said yes to the Fall for Dance Commission um, for Calvin Royal from, from ABT had it not been for this experience making the solo for Taylor. Cause I was like, oh yeah, I can record these things. I work in solo form a lot. We can do time-coded notes. Um, and ironically, having done that, that solo for Taylor, I was like, I think it would be really great for me and maybe for you if you come in and assist me with this project for Calvin. So, you know, that was, again, a really great way to connect us. And that idea of having that security blanket, I, I felt comfortable working with him, um, knowing that that time was, was going to be really short as well. Mm, that piece was so extraordinary and I love to watch it over and over again because there's <laughs> something really like you said the, there's a poetry that just is unmatched in in his artistry and yours and in yours with him together and I just the spark that you're explaining that happened on zoom that just has catapulted your creativity during COVID is remarkable and yeah. I love how we can support each other when we don't even expect we can. Right. And there's something about Taylor being a ballet dancer, but being able to embody something about your contemporariness that he can blend your world into this world that's been historically so different. I feel like it opens our world up in a way that has not opened in this way before. What do you think about yourself creating on more and more ballet companies and becoming very highly in demand right now. I have no idea. I hope it's not a fluke. I hope, I hope it's not a fluke, Kyle. It's not a fluke. I mean, each time I'm kind of I'm kind of amazed that I like the thing and that I feel good about the thing by the time we get to the end product. You know, it's like, and these things wouldn't have existed without the opportunities that you're really at the forefront of. You know, had we not done Russell's creature. I don't know if that call would ever come to, for me to, to make something at City Ballet. Who knows? Who knows? Open, definitely open that door. It's great each time I have these opportunities. I do get nervous. You know, I'm about to go make a new ballet. Again, ironically, Jonathan Stafford it called me. I was like, Kyle, do you, are you okay if I give, you know, the folks at the Royal Ballet your information? I'm like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> but it's like, 
how kind is that? How wonderful is that? You know, it's just to feel supported and to feel encouraged to make is really exciting. I have no idea how that work will turn out. No idea. I'm learning more and more, especially in these times, what I need in the studio from artists to feel my most open and communicative. And if I didn't say honest and honest, interesting. Those are the things that I realize all the more each time I go into a process. What does the point you mean to you? How do you use it? It's been amazing to watch you work with Dancers on Point and develop your skill and craftsmanship with the point you. Does it affect you or does it, how does it make you feel to have a dancer that can do things in it that way? I mean, I dig it. I, I love learning from dancers, just period. You know, I think maybe part of it, again, talking about this level of support thing, is the first time I was going to make a work for City Ballet, making The Runaway, on one of those initial calls with Justin Peck, he was like, you know, you don't have to do the work on point, but we would love it if you did. And I think it's just knowing that I don't have to do this thing, but I can if, you know, if, if that comes up is a freedom that allows me to be that much more creative. And it's the dancers that I'm working with that don't judge me for what I don't know, but love me and respect me for, for wanting to know more and for my curiosity to want to know, which is what, the way that I love them and respect them as well. So I think that kind of opens the door up. We, we work, we play. I'm like, yeah, y'all wanna try this thing. I think partnering has been one of the bigger challenges with, with Point, trying to figure out how much weight can a dancer on point hold from somebody else? And what do they need to feel supported when they're giving all of their weight to someone else? Um, because in some ways it's sometimes more exciting when someone on point is off their axis than when they're on it, but it's also beautiful to find that length and strength in that singular kind of on point <laughs> moment. <laughs> Do you think there's something about more and more dancers, as, especially even female ballet dancers choreographing that can add to that openness of exchange between different kinds of collaborations? Do you think that that's an empowering thing? I feel like it might be. Do you feel it in the studio as a choreographer? Yeah, I mean, it's great working with fellow choreographers, you know, especially when they feel really generous. I mean, two of the women in my cast are also really established choreographers in their own right. I think, you know, Claire's made a lot of work during this pandemic and has been making a lot of work, period. Lauren has been making a lot of work for a lot of different companies. So it's it's really exciting to work with fellow choreographers, just period. Most of my, most people know most of my favorite choreographers are women choreographers. <laughs> they just always have been. <laughs> I mean, I drink that Trisha Kool-Aid down, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I think with when it comes to ballet, something that I feel like has come up in maybe a previous, maybe even just like friend call that maybe we've we've been on is thinking about the encouragement and and uh for younger women or younger girls really when they're in training programs to have them in the comp class or have them creating at those earlier ages when the guys are sometimes given those opportunities only, uh, or women, the women are in, you know, maybe certain classes and not given access to others. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things also, I think that comes up with, with, with race in a certain way, when we're thinking about opportunity and thinking about how early a lot of this stuff has to start, um, because for, for dancers in general to feel liberated, you need to figure out how you can support them. Even if 
as someone who is terrible at Petit Allegro, I am kind of loving it now. Like, it, I can tell, cool. I can see that in your work. Yeah, I really I, love it. <laughs> but I love it because the people that I surround myself with encourage me to try. And I think like watching Justin Peck, that man is brilliant, brilliant. What he can do with a petite allegro, I'm like, I don't even know how you feel so free to come up with those steps. But at some point, someone had to hopefully encourage him to say, yes, you can. And so he does so freely and so effortlessly. So if we can encourage our young women, young dancers of color period, that they can, even when you see them struggling with this thing, that opens up their possibility as choreographers so much more and as, and as dancers. And as leaders. Yeah. Kyle, I adore you. Huh, you inspire me, you touch my heart, you, uh, you just, you bring so much energy to this world and so much beauty. And I, I'm so excited for, for all that's coming your way um, as a creator. Thanks for all you've taught me and thanks so much, Kyle. Always great talking with you. Thank you for listening to City Ballet. To stay up to date on episode releases, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts.